1: an investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And today, I am delighted to welcome back one of my favorite guests, Mr. Jay Feldman. He is the executive director and co-founder of Beyond Pesticides, a nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C., that works nationally to reduce toxic chemicals in our environment, thereby protecting farm workers, children, and communities. Now, in September of 2009, U.S. Department of Agriculture Secretary at the time, Tom Vilsack, appointed Mr. Feldman to the National Organic Standards Board, where he completed a five-year term that ended in 2015, However, he continues to work tirelessly finding solutions to problems related to pesticide use, as well as protecting the integrity of the organic label, and we'll dive into that a little more deeply in our conversation. He is presently a member of the National Organic Coalition and the Real Organic Standards Board. Mr. Feldman holds a master's degree in urban and regional planning with a focus on health policy, and he has a bachelor's degree in political science. Welcome, Jay.
0: Thank you so much, Melinda.
1: Well, I guess I should let our listeners know to be fully transparent that I have the honor of serving on the Beyond Pesticides board, and that gives me an advantage in knowing just how much work you put into this organization and how effective you've been in reducing toxic exposure in individual communities. You have been organizing a National Pesticide Forum annually. We are looking at the 37th forum, which will take place in New York City on April fifth and sixth of 2019. And we have lots to talk about, both regarding the forum, past meetings, and what we're working on urgently today. So thank you for being here.
0: Sure. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, back in 2013, which was when we last spoke on the air, we were talking about some of the same things that we are struggling with today, one of which has to do with the consumer's perception of the organic label, and there is some distrust that we need to fix. And we were also talking about genetically modified crops, which the consumer is told, which dietitians are told, that we've got to have these crops because they're going to feed the world – And in 2013, we were just starting to talk about how not only glyphosate or the active ingredient in Roundup was being sprayed on these genetically modified crops, but we also had consideration for 2,4-D and dicamba, two stronger and more dangerous herbicides. Today, we are witnessing what is happening, especially in the Midwest with regard to spraying GMO corn and soybeans with these horrific herbicide mixtures. Tell me what Beyond Pesticides is doing to help inform consumers about these dangers.
0: Well, that's the basic question. How do people become more informed and make decisions that are in the best interest of their family and the communities in which they live and the ecosystems on which they depend? The concept of an organization being founded to protect people from pesticides really, I think, realizes, as we did after not too long a time frame, but after some time, that just banning individual pesticides was not the solution to the problem. It's really symptomatic of systems of land management, of building management that are inherently dependent on toxic inputs or toxic chemicals. And we as a public tend to focus on bad actors, on crises that emerge that identify as problems whether it's a cancer effect or a neurological effect uh, Alzheimer's diabetes learning disabilities reproductive problems we become aware of die-offs of species endangered species threatened species, species we get you know alerted to these scientific facts about harm and we then turn and say well where's the bad actor? You know, what chemical do we need to eliminate to protect ourselves? And, you know, over the years, we, of course, as a society have focused on DDT in the organochlorine family, and we removed those uses slowly, but finally, from U.S. commerce. And then we moved on to organophosphate chemicals, and now we're struggling with chlorpyrifos and all the political controversy around removing that from agriculture because of the brain damage as it causes to children exposed, having banned the chemical from residential uses because of neurotoxic impacts on children. And then we move on to synthetic pyrethroids. You know, we take care of some of the chlorpyrifos, we remove some other organophosphates, but then we essentially move to synthetic pyrethroids, highly neurotoxic chemical, and some of those chemicals like permethrin are associated with uh, cancer as well. And then we realize, oh, well, we're seeing drift and poisoning, so let's start treating the seeds, or let's start incorporating genes into plants that then turn themselves into toxic organisms. So in effect, we treat a seed, the seed grows the plant, the chemical that is on the treated seed, moves through the vascular system of the plant and then is expressed through the pollen and nectar and gutation droplets. And guess what? Indiscriminately poisons any insect, beneficial target, pest, or what have you, that comes along and that results in a pollinator crisis, pollinator decline, some refer to it as colony collapse disorder. So you can see this treadmill effect moving from one chemical to another. So now we've identified these neonicotinoids, these systemic chemicals that become integral to the plant material and then cause this poisoning. And as we've gone through these chemical families, and I've witnessed all of this and been along for the ride through all these chemical families and all the science behind the documenting the harm, the impacts, both primary and secondary effects, it doesn't take long to realize that the systems we have in place, these chemical dependent systems, are inherently dangerous and moving through different technologies to different chemicals on which we're dependent has really not solved the problem. This is where organic comes in. Now, genetic engineering, of course, was sold to us as a society as a solution to chemical problems, but turns out these chemicals are inherent to these genetically engineered crops they are essentially dependent on the herbicide-tolerant crops, I should say, are dependent on the chemicals, in this case herbicides. These are systems that continue to be reliant on the chemicals and, in fact, have increased the volume of use. So if you look at the actual trend lines of pesticide use, and herbicides are a pesticide, we see an explosion of pesticide use in genetically engineered crops. So we really haven't solved the pesticide problem in that respect. In fact, we've made it worse because we've not only created greater dependency, but we've created greater resistance. So in fact, one of the tools that have been created as genetically engineered is a Bacillus thuringiensis, it's a um, natural soil bacterium that's been incorporated into plants to go after corn rootworm, and in effect has created resistance there as well in an insect population. So our thinking has not changed, right? We have applied a technology across generations now that has failed us. This technology and this dependency on the chemicals has failed us. It doesn't take much to go from that experience to becoming a fierce activist for organic as the solution. Mm -hmm. And when we started working on organic, it was viewed as fringe, as not commercially viable, as inherently costly without an adequate economic return. And now we have a $53 billion organic industry. Our goal now, of course, is, as you said, to protect the integrity of organic. What is the definition? What are the allowed materials? What are the practices? What are the standards that are required to meet these goals so that we don't slip back into a system that is dependent on synthetic inputs, on management techniques that are inherently reliant on potentially toxic chemicals? And if we don't follow it as a society, as participants in what is one of the most participatory Sectors of government and of commerce, that is the organic standards. If we don't participate in that, we will lose control over those standards and the quality of its implementation and ultimately the word organic.
1: And your website, and I should let our listeners know, it's simply www.beyondpesticides.org, has many wonderful sections, but in particular, one on protecting organic integrity. I'm really curious to dive into a little bit of your experience on the NOSB, the National Organic Standards Board. Five years is a long time to participate in that intensive process. What lessons did you take away from that experience that you want our listeners to know?
0: Well, the key starting point for an experience like that is to have faith in the underlying statute, which isn't really a function of the board, but it's the foundation on which decisions are made. And I was lucky enough to have participated in drafting the Organic Foods Production Act And it was done in a very participatory way. It was done before the industry became as large as it is today with all the major food companies involved in selling organic product. And so we didn't really have the pushback from large industry groups that were saying, you know, this can't be done. So it was done with vision, with a sense of principles, a sense of values. And the values went to the question of how do we design a food system that cares about how we treat the environment from cradle to grave, which is something, of course, the conventional side doesn't do. When EPA registers a pesticide, it looks at the residues of that product and some environmental effects, but it doesn't trace back to the sourcing of the input? Where does it come from? How is it developed? What is it fossil fuel based? Is it a dangerous production process? Are there emissions and pollution associated with that process? And being a part of a board that has the statutory mandate to look holistically at what goes into the production process, is an incredible experience. And we receive technical review documents that inform that discussion because as you can imagine, a fifteen member board with three farmers, three environmentalists, a retailer, consumers, three consumers, an inspector or a certification agent, scientist, not all of these folks, although they represent important stakeholder groups that have a vested interest in seeing organic be successful. We don't all have deep scientific knowledge. So being informed by technical documents that look at the criteria in the law and provide the board with key information on that holistic analysis and all that goes into that enables good, fair-thinking people to come to good conclusions. So that was something different, having worked the other side of the street, meaning looking at the regulatory process at EPA and how pesticides are registered and how limited and deficient that regulatory review is to move to the board, which has this opportunity to look holistically. Now, beyond that, our mission is to protect and enhance the environment, which of course is not a mission of EPA when it registers a pesticide. Its mission is to mitigate risks, acknowledging that there are harms that are acceptable given the uncalculated benefits, meaning we don't really have good data on the benefits of pesticides. So here we are on the other side with organic, and we're looking at how can we build biodiversity, build soil health, recognize the importance of the soil food web and the microbial life in the soil, and ultimately protect biodiversity and recognize that we as human beings and our long-term sustainability is reliant on a healthy ecosystem. So to have those rich conversations really, I think, puts us in a very hopeful and optimistic position because we really are struggling with solutions that farmers need. They are growing food and we rely on the food they're growing, right? So when they come to the board and say, look, I have a pest and I've tried X, Y, and Z and I believe I need an input, our responsibility is to look at the essentiality of that input. And we look at that by looking across the landscape. So you're looking at small farmers, you're looking at medium-sized farmers, and you're looking at large farmers. And the question then, and this is an ongoing question, can organic measure its values and principles against the scale of farming? And what scale of farming? represents the kind of future that we believe we need to meet the standards of the statute, meaning meet these cradle-to-grave protections, i.e., how is that input produced, and meet the laudable goals of enhancing biodiversity. Not only protecting, but enhancing biodiversity. And I'm coming to the conclusion that we really can't do that with industrial agriculture because of the systems in place that replicate some of the conventional systems that we see on the conventional side. So we need to think more like the European Union about small scale agriculture that provides more pasture, that provides room for rotations and mixed cropping systems that enable us to be closer to the ground and closer to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. so that we can talk to our consumers and make sure that we're meeting their needs. And if we bring more consumers into the conversation, and this is a hopeful note, and we have that mechanism through the law, through the statute, and through the mechanisms that have been set up to come to meetings twice a year, the NOSB, to participate in the conversation, to submit comments. I can tell you from sitting on the board Those comments are received, they're respected, they're parsed through, they're evaluated closely, and the more we hear from moms that are concerned about their children, from people that are concerned about the environment in which they live, whether we're concerned about global climate change and the need to sequester more carbon more rapidly, if we're concerned about the insect apocalypse and what that means for bird populations with declining insect populations that are disappearing at rapid rates. Organic addresses all these things in addition to removing the carcinogens and the neurotoxic chemicals from our diet and from the environment.
1: Exactly. Let me take one break, Jay, because we are beyond our halfway mark and remind everyone that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Mr. Jay Feldman, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Beyond Pesticides. Well, I want to say that for those of us who want to keep up with what's going on to help protect the integrity of organic, the Beyond Pesticides website has a wonderful action of the week. And when it pertains to writing a letter or getting in touch with our representatives or submitting a comment to USDA and the NOSB, we can do that quickly and easily through your website. So, Just a heads up to everyone to put that on your computer screen and become acquainted to all of the rich resources you have. Now, there are lots of directions we could go here, but I don't want our time to run out before we have a chance to talk about these annual National Pesticide Forums that you have been putting together. This is now our 37th year. Last year, we met in Irvine, California. You had individuals come and speak on a panel who were actually members of the farm working community. So when we have these discussions about, well, why should I spend more on organic? We're always so focused on individuals, right? Just ourselves. And the whole mission of this program is to help people think beyond their plates. So not only is how is the food impacting my health and my family's health? But what does it mean when we purchase an organic food? How does that also benefit not only the environment, but also farm workers in the field? That was a wonderful component of last year's forum. You also had fantastic speakers, one of whom was a researcher who talked about the role of pesticides in actually obesity development. And you've got a review of that in the last issue of Pesticides in You, which is a basically a magazine that comes out that we also get as members of this organization. But the forum that you've got scheduled in New York City is going to be terrific. Tell me about some of the speakers you've got lined up and what are you thinking about in terms of bringing people together in this huge metropolitan location?
0: Well, thank you again, Melinda. The context is really important here because the conference really evolves from the local community where we hold it. And I think in New York City, as massive as it is, there are incredible activist organizations that are very close to the ground. And I think that'll be reflected in the conference speakers and participants I know that you have been a staunch advocate of urban farming and engaging the people in food production close to their homes. And we, as an organization, have been advocating that approach as long as it is organic and incorporating organic principles. You know, sometimes that isn't always the case. That's you know, we right. Talk about We think if it's local, it's pure and good. Again, we have to bring these same standards to our local communities. Exactly right. Right. And so as an organization, we're taking some of these principles that are embedded in the Organic Foods Production Act and bringing those close to home, not only in urban food production, but also in how we manage open spaces. So we're talking about parks. And playing fields, which affect a lot of people, especially in the city where parks are our living rooms in cities. People go out and hang out in parks and they rely on these parks to be safe spaces. So there'll be a high level of discussion on what is coming together as a piece of legislation in New York City that will. Transition all parkland to organic land management practices. Again, relying on the principles that are in the Organic Foods Production Act, which establish allowed materials that are compatible with organic systems that support biodiversity. So, that approach, I think, has both the health component as well as the practical how do we do it component. On the health component, we're teaming up with a co convener at Mount Sinai Children's Environmental Health Center, which is one of the preeminent uh, health centers and a medical institution in the in the United States, and they're bringing all their resources to the conference, which includes a number of medical people, pediatricians, as well as research scientists that have focused on issues of children's environmental health and We're also teaming up with Columbia University where they've done studies in, on environmental justice questions. What communities are disproportionately impacted as a result of pesticide use? And, you know, our board president, Rout Reigert, is a pediatrician as well by training, and he just released a meta-study on pesticides and their link to autism and learning disabilities. So he will be presenting that data as well. At the same time, we are looking at the ecosystem effects. And, of course, we need to focus on pollinators as really an indicator species of what's gone wrong with the way we use pesticides and are reliant on them in our food production systems and in our urban gardening and urban farming systems and park management. And so we will have the preeminent entomologist who was the lead scientist on this question at USDA before they pushed him out. A guy by the name of Jeff Pettis, who has gone on since leaving USDA to work internationally in Switzerland and is the president of the Scientific Commission on Bee Health, which is an international association of beekeeper associations. He's now back in the States, and I think he'll give us a really important view of What we need to do as citizens, as residents, as uh, people living in the United States, what pressure we need to bring to government institutions to ensure they stay on the right path. Now, we're, we're at a tricky point in history right now, admittedly, where government is really not receptive to scientific facts and to transparency issues of public involvement. And so we can't let the current scenario hold us back from thinking about how we need to be more effective in the long term. So I think Jeff Pettis can help us with that, having been inside USDA and then now a staunch advocate for protecting pollinators worldwide. Mm -hmm. That gives you a sense. We will also have horticulturalists who have been very active in helping communities and communities in New York, communities around the country, in transitioning to organic land management. So more of a focus on urban management with still a a higher level understanding of how our production systems in agriculture are adversely affecting us. And clearly, I'm really glad you brought up the worker issues. Farm workers are the first in line of exposure and least protected in the scheme of pesticide regulation. And we have on our site a database called Eating with a Conscience. So you can see really at the end of the day how important it is from a farm worker protection standpoint to eat organic because of the the vast number of chemicals, thousands and thousands of chemicals used in production, even if they don't end up to a high degree as a food residue on the finished food commodity, they are there on the ground. Onions are a great example. I mean, Onions are often pointed to as a food you really don't have to buy organic because it has a, th- a thick skin and you you can peel it back and eat the interior. Well, that just doesn't work logically from the standpoint of the systemic chemicals that we talked about earlier, but for the 50-plus chemicals registered for use in production on onions.
1: Exactly. So if I'm
0: a farm worker working in onion production, I'm getting a high level of exposure to pesticides, And so that's how we have to start thinking. How is our food grown and what impact does that have in the communities of production on the workers in the fields? What impact are we having by virtue of the chemicals those production systems are using in the communities where the chemicals themselves are produced? And then what impact am I having on my family when I bring those chemicals to the dinner table? every night.
1: Exactly. Well, we're going to have to wrap up because our time is over. We could spend hours together. I want to direct our listeners to www.beyondpesticides.org. There is a place where we can click on the agenda and the schedule for the Beyond Pesticides annual forum. I encourage everyone in the New York City area to attend if you can. It is inspiring. If you feel like you're alone, you won't feel that way by the end of the meeting. And I think that's what's so empowering about it. I want to encourage everyone to take a look at Beyond Pesticides and you, and learn just how insidious these chemicals are in our lives and how they are affecting not only our health today but of future generations. So, in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Jay Feldman, Executive Director and Co-founder of Beyond Pesticides. A Nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C., that works nationally to reduce exposure to toxic chemicals. Jay, thank you so much for all of the work you've done over so many decades.
0: And thank you, Melinda, for what you do to get the word out. It's so critical.